Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 103.9 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you. Another Friday evening, we are set to continue to explore our Friday evening subject matter, Catholic musings. But as I do from one Friday to the next, taking up a pertinent question from the week, uh, I will do so again this evening, taking up the question about Advent. You've asked me to talk about Advent. Here we are, really in the third week of Advent, inching closer to the Christmas season. I thought what we could do is just give it a more holistic view, per se, and then touch upon a few key things, which will ultimately, I think, set us up for my uh, key musing for the evening. All right, so first let me say this. Advent really is the beginning of the religious year. Uh, What Rosh Hashanah uh, was for the Jew of the Old Testament, Advent is for the church today. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, right, in the Hebrew means head of the year. It was the ancient feast day that kick-started all of the major feast days in the Old Testament. It is really what sent the Old Testament liturgical cycle into motion. Okay, so rightfully so, then we say what Rosh Hashanah was for the Jew, Advent is for uh, the Christian and Catholic today, right? Because it kick-starts the new liturgical season. Which is to say, my friends, the liturgical year does not match New Year's Day, right? Uh, Nor July 1st, the beginning of the fiscal year for for many organizations, of course. The church year is distinctive. All right, now the term Advent is derived from the Latin word Adventus, Adventus, which literally translates as coming or horizon, It focuses not only on the past coming of Jesus on the first Christmas, but also on the present coming of Jesus. Uh, We are always made to see how Jesus is on the horizon, right? Not only in the Eucharist and the Word of God, but also in and through our prayer life and in our encounters with others. Incidentally, my friends, to speak of coming and the Eucharist, is to some degree uh, say one and the same thing. What do I mean? The Greek word for coming in the New Testament when Jesus says, I am coming soon, is parousia. It best translates as appearance, but it can also mean arrival or visitation. For the first Christians in the Eucharist, Christ, what? Appeared. (laughs) Arrived on the altar. huh? And when he does... What does he do but seeks bridal union with our very souls? This is why Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI once said that when you talk about the parousia, Jesus' coming, this is what we have in the Eucharist in the already but not yet. Right? So we speak of Jesus' coming not only at the end of time, but also in the here and now. And as we kind of juxtapose the here and now and the end of time, we speak to it in the context of the 
already, but not yet. And that's what the Eucharist is about. All right, what else about Advent? Well, Advent, my friends, is just not a miniature version of Lent. Huh? Advent stresses hope and joy. Lent stresses penance and sorrow. Advent emphasizes what we need to add to our lives, uh, grace, light, again, joy. While Lent emphasizes what we need to remove, most especially sin. Huh? Advent lasts for roughly 28 days, Lent for 40. Advent features the prophet Isaiah. Lent features the prophet Jeremiah. All right, that being said, to Advent itself. The overarching voice to Advent is the voice of the Baptist, right? The prophet of the Most High, as it is spoken to in Luke chapter 1. The immediate forerunner of Jesus. And really, the link between the Old Testament prophets and Jesus himself. The link between the two great covenants, old and new. In particular, we have, with respect to the second and third Sunday of Advent, the Baptist story being recounted. There we read that uh, the Baptist was the voice crying out in the desert, huh? Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Which, of course, is what we are called to do during this holy season. So yeah, it is a season of uh, light, hope, and joy, but also a season of preparation. St. John the Baptist also directed people's attention from himself to Jesus in saying, Behold the Lamb of God, and he must increase as I must decrease. So when we talk about Advent, if we hope to have a spirituality profitable to Advent, we, like the Baptist, my friends, must diminish while allowing Jesus to increase in our life in both power and brilliance. So again, if there is a similarity to be had between the two seasons of Advent and Lent, it would be that, huh? the importance of focusing on decreasing, which I would add is a focus on the importance of confession, right? I mean, this is how we best prepare, by reconciling ourselves with God and ultimately with one another in our resolve to change. So it is, my friends, as we find ourselves in the final week of Advent, we do so by paying close attention to God, huh? by listening to God and for God as we go about our busyness of preparing for Christmas. Because the best way to prepare is to first, what, but slow down, huh? Slow down. I think one of the tricks of the adversary, one of the tricks of Satan is to hijack this beautiful season from us by getting us thinking we have to do all of these things that in the end we don't need to do, right, but we want to do, which brings us to our primary musing for the evening, the call to listen. And what does it mean to listen? Uh, this was the question I put before myself this week. You know, coming from a family of 13, it was common for me to want to chime in as often as possible at the dinner table or wherever we, we found ourselves eating. Why? Well, 
when you have 10 brothers and sisters, there's not a whole lot of lag time, if you will. Uh, more often than not, I would find myself speaking to just let my siblings know that I was there, rarely responding to the actual subject matter being discussed. As I have grown older, I have been made aware that through spiritual direction of my need to speak less and listen more. I've spoken to this in the past with respect to what Pope Francis says in Joy of the Gospel. In Joy of the Gospel, paragraph 171, he says, Listening is an openness of heart which makes possible that closeness without which genuine spiritual encounter cannot occur. Listening helps us to find the right gesture and word which shows that we are not more than simply bystanders. Only through such respectful and compassionate listening can we enter on the path of true growth and awaken a yearning for the Christian ideal, the desire to respond fully to God's love and to bring to fruition what he has sown in our lives. In other words, my friends, what we are made to see is that listening is a sacred art, a holy craft where we refrain from what we think needs to be said on behalf of what ought to be said. We cannot possibly know the right thing to say if we have not entered into the organic nature of the encounter itself. You see, my friends, every dialogue is unique because every person has an unrepeatable story to tell. No matter what we think the person needs to hear, we must avoid that temptation to speak to a situation prematurely, huh? And yes, I think this is today a great temptation, just not in our religious conversations, but most especially in our political conversations, yes? So it is listening calls for the virtue of silence. As a noun, silence is muteness, the absence of noise. As a verb, it is becoming still. Brothers and sisters in Christ, all good listening starts with the absence of noise and matures in the becoming still, we could say. So it is in the action we take to become still that we begin to understand silence as a virtue, you see. Silence is virtuous when he who could speak remains still, drawing from the strength of an inner reserve. You know, in recent years, listening has taken on new challenges for us with the rise of such communication forms as Facebook, Twitter, our iPhones with all of the texting we do. It is a difficult thing to listen to a Facebook post, a tweet, or a text. While one may be able to grasp what is being said, there is no audible voice. Consequently, there is no inflection, tone, or body language that is proper to any dialogue. As a result, I think the art of listening is lost. While not certainly dismissing the value of Facebook, Twitter, and texting, we ought to be aware of the listen-response reality that is so necessary, my friends, to any life-giving dialogue, especially when it comes to our relationship with God, where we need to be even more quiet than usual to hear Him in the silence of our hearts. Today, my friends, I invite you to join me in the prayer to be a better listener. Let us unite our hearts in the spirit of silence. 
embracing that it takes the virtue of silence to be the best listener we could possibly be. And so it is we pray. God, supply me with the grace necessary to listen more that I may speak better. Amen. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you.